believe in God. I know God. I love me some Jesus. You told me too much. That's crazy. <laughs> That's on the next episode. It's the moon reading. I rock with you, Yaya. It's all love. They better listen to this advice. We good. You crazy, girl. This is what this show is about, all right? We with keep the it real. real and real talk. The God in God talk. Today is Tuesday, November 12th, and you're listening to Real Talk on God Talk, a podcast for people who skip church for brunch on Sundays. What up, Yaya? Hey, Truth Girl, what's up? <laughs> you know me, chilling, chilling. How you been? How's your week going? Yo, I'm like in the thick of it. <laughs> like, I know <laughs> I've been a Debbie Downer probably for the last couple of episodes, but I really like, I think the weather is changing. And I've been like off my game a little bit. I have not been meditating. I have not been doing my little yoga. I have not been working out. I've been eating crazy. Like yeah, you're going yeah. to eat Pop-Tarts. Oh, Pop-Tarts? Nah. It's <laughs> out here eating mad Pop-Tarts. And I just think that the... I think to all you people out there, know yourself and know what affects you. But seasonal depression is like real... And I'm starting to like see some of the changes. And I think that I need to like really take the time out to address it for myself. And so I guess that's my little bit of vulnerability with you all. That's what's going on with me. But it's good. It's good that you realize it. And I think you're absolutely right. The way that winter decided to come in and just punch us in the face is very disrespectful. (laughs) Right. Was just like, oh my goodness. Like literally this week, I felt like where, like I had to break out my coat. So, you know, I had to go like to the top of my closet, bring down all my winter stuff. I was very upset. I was like, this is, I was not ready for this. I'm hearing snow in some parts. I was like, no, I was not ready for this. So I totally get you. And I agree. Just take your time while y'all adjust. And not for nothing, that whole daylight savings time threw me off big time this year. I'm still (laughs) trying. My body is just not adjusting with nothing. The fact that the sun is going down earlier. I don't like it. I don't like what's going on right now. <laughs> like, I know we do this every year, but I don't care. Like, this year right. just felt like it hit harder. But that's, fact. that's what we going through. <laughs> Glad to know I'm not alone, but what's up yeah, with you, Yeah, you definitely girl? not alone. So I've actually been reading this um, book called The Disappearing L. Um, and basically, The Erasure of Lesbian Spaces and Culture by Bonnie Jane Morris. I recommend it. It's a great book. Basically, it's talking about how the word lesbian is disappearing um, from our culture, um, from many spaces. And so I haven't gotten through the entire book yet. So there's still a lot that I'm I'm learning from it. But it, it talks a lot about like the history of lesbian women and their impact on music, on um the move for like equal rights and um I just found it interesting to read as like I hear more and more straight people identify as queer Hmm, I I have my feelings about that yeah I got a lot of feelings (laughs) (laughs) and so um the book is very interesting because it talks about um this one part that I'm in is talking about how lesbian artists were like the first to have like women only concerts and in a way where they were able to explain to in that time um, men about why this space was necessary and what they could do to help. And, and it just seemed like in a, like a very healthy way to do it. 
and of course this is how I imagine it I'm sure they had their issues with it as well you know but they talk about having like accessibility about having like sign language at their concerts and it's like a lot of things that we hear now that artists are doing I'm like hmm lesbians oh, done paved the way baby I hear that shout you out know? to all my lesbians out there you just know what uh, I'm saying? So, ahead of the curve you know what I'm saying so I put a little pep in my step when I was walking this week <laughs> so yeah it was cool it was cool so that's what's going on with us and let's get into a rundown of what you can expect for this episode this week god in the world gets the full episode treatment recently twitter and social media was on fire when rapper T.I. made some very interesting comments regarding the condition of his daughter's hymen and its implications on her virginity. So we're going to do a little unpacking around the idea of virginity and what that has to do with God when we ask the Real Talk question of the week. Why are we all so pressed about purity? Mm, grab your pens and papers okay mm-hmm. and then yaya will take us through the moon reading just in time to prepare for the november 12th full moon and finally most weeks we would end with a quality of life hack but this week we're giving listeners a special opportunity to go into the holiday season with a little extra joy so stay tuned so last week If you spent any time on social media at all, you had to, at some point, have been wondering to yourself why the hashtag Hymen was trending. What kind of hashtag is that? Hashtag Hymen. (laughs) Like, okay. Mad random, right? Right. But after a little research, you would have found out that Atlanta rapper T.I. was being dragged by the masses for comments he made as a guest on the Ladies Like Us podcast hosted by Nazanin and Nadia. I hope I said their name right. On the now-deleted episode, T.I. claimed that he accompanies his teenage daughter to her yearly gynecological exams, okay, and asks doctors for proof that her hymen is still intact Mm -mm. to ensure that she is still a virgin. That is intense, okay? Mm -hmm. But considering that this is the year of our Lord 2019 and not 1619, the collective internet was not having it. Nope. Although there were a few voices, you know, coming to the front to defend T.I.'s parenting techniques, um, mostly with the argument that he was taking reasonable measures as a father to protect his daughter. um, The general consensus was that his logic was misinformed, overprotective, sexist, and a double standard of outdated sexual morals at its best, and creepy, manipulative, and an abuse of power at its worst. So even though Planned Parenthood officials' um, Twitter feed got into the conversation, they were tweeting, quote, I don't know who needs to hear this, but virginity is a made-up social construct, and it has absolutely nothing to do with your hymen. They go on to say, a virgin is someone who's never had sex, but sex means different things to different people. So virginity does too. Many don't care what it means or think it matters. Whatever you believe, the fact is you can't tell if someone's had sex by checking their hymen, right? The hymen is a thin, fleshy tissue that's located at the opening of a vagina. Like other parts of our bodies, hymens are a little different for everyone. If you need more info on hymens, Google search. 
<laughs> be careful. <laughs> be careful about that though. That Google search could get a little tricky. So you might want to say like sex ed hymen or, you know, something. Don't just straight right, yeah, up hymen yeah. search. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You use that, use that thing in your skull. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna start telling people that. Use that thing in your skull. Right. So all this hoopla and, you know, hubbub around hymens and virginity got us wondering, how does this all connect to God and spirituality and religion? And so we're asking the Real Talk question of the week. Why are we so pressed about purity? Mm, mm, mm. So truth, let, let's start here. What, what do you think about this whole T.I. virginity hymen situation? Yo, <laughs> you know it's serious when you got to start with yo <laughs> right so there's so many things ridiculous about this situation one the fact that he goes to the gynecologist to check on her virginity it's ridiculous two the fact that sex education failed him because he doesn't understand that a hymen is no proof of a woman having slept with having a sexual partner or penetration um three I'm pretty sure his daughter did not want the whole world knowing about her hymen. Yeah, like that's <laughs> awkward. Right, just like so many different types of violations that I feel like what he is trying to quote-unquote protect her from, he's basically actually allowing it to happen more easily because he's not giving her power over her body or like mm. like the um the confidence that she needs to make a decision about her body cuz as he described it he basically like convinced her to give him permission and so like he's so basically like what you're saying is he's trying to protect her from being violated and he's busy violating her right <laughs> like that's crazy <laughs> exactly 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 yeah i mean <sighs> We were talking earlier, Truth and I were talking earlier, and, like, I didn't really grow up in a house with, you know, a, a male figure in my house. So the idea of going to the gynecologist with my dad or, like, one of my uncles or something, that's, like, really foreign to me. Like, yeah. that's not really on my agenda. So that's already a little, like, weird for me. But this whole idea of T.I. saying, you know, as a dad, it's my duty to have any part of my daughter's sexuality like that's it's just it just rubs me the wrong way like the whole thing right. just gives me like a yuck feeling and then I think that you're just right like you want your daughter to be strong to have like enough bodily autonomy to be able to say no I don't want to have sex with you you know right horny little boy or whatever right. <laughs> exactly and you're modeling for her the type of love that says a man does have control over right. your body. Like you're modeling for her the fact that she doesn't have autonomy over her own body. And so exactly. when she gets into the situation with some horny little boy, what what's going to give her the fortitude to say, you know, that, you no, know, I, I don't want to. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Or even, yes, I really want to. And this is how. Like, right. you know, exactly. I don't know. It's it, the whole it thing. It was weird. Yuck vibes. And yeah, and even being, like, for me, I grew up with both of my parents, right? Never on this planet or any other planet <laughs> would, like, my mom have allowed my pops to go with me to GYN. Absolutely not. And so that also made me question, like, all these women that he has in his household, nobody has thought this is wrong. Nobody has seen the issue with this. Nobody has opened their mouth. So he's just out here controlling everybody's body. That's wild. 
Yeah. As well. But, you know, hey, we've discussed on the show many times before about, like, how Christian religious people interpret, like, the Bible on, like, premarital and extramarital sex, right? And it's basically, like, don't do it, right? And, uh, <laughs> Period. <laughs> Period. That's it. And, like, for references of this, y'all can listen to uh, season one, episode seven, the sex episode, or season one, episode 10. Yeah, we're going there. Let's talk about abortion and God. Um, but in Tia's case, it actually um, isn't really a general issue of sexual morality. So Tia doesn't, ha- doesn't seem to have a problem speaking explicitly about sex or that his young sons may be sexually active, double standard. Um, it's particularly an issue about the idea of wanting his daughter, daughters to remain um, their virginity in order to remain pure. So, okay. Hold on. Before we get into the God talk part of our episode, because, you know, I'm hearing a lot of things about like virginity, words like purity and, you know, how virginity relates to Christian theological concepts of purity. Let's have a little bit of real talk. So what was your experience growing up with virginity? Your V card, <laughs> as the young kids called it. <laughs> the young whippersnappers. <laughs> was that a thing for you? Um, hmm. So I can say virginity never, like purity wasn't ever part of the talk about being or remaining a virgin. It was more about um, me having a right to my body of as to when and with who and being of a certain age to make that responsible decision my mom was more like yes wait till marriage you know and I was like all right cool yeah no problem I could do that uh, <laughs> you know like I was like eager but I, I can't say it was like you need to remain a virgin because you need to be pure you know what I'm saying it was mm-hmm. never that it was more for my own protection of like you know you shouldn't be giving it out to anybody just any and old body, you know, you don't want to get hurt. You don't want to, you know, end up pregnant, STDs, any of that. And even when my mom, oh, when I came out to my mom, that talk didn't change for her. It was still mm-hmm. like, you know, you don't want to get hurt. You don't want to give to anybody and everybody. And you still don't want no STD. So <laughs> the only thing right. that changed was like getting pregnant. <laughs> like that's it. So I'm going to sidebar you a little bit, right? Yeah, so ahead. just curiosity, what, so what's the conversation around virginity or like purity like for our LGBT brothers and sisters? Well, like, is it a similar type of dynamic? So I think, so from my, my own experience in my own circle, um, I can honestly say the talk of purity or virginity actually never came into play. It's not mm. something that I heard. I feel like I only heard it in straight circles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) straight circles I love it (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's the only time that I heard about it um and and I think it's more because how can I say it um it wasn't a surprise to people if like LGBT people were promiscuous Mm -hmm. now I think that has its own issues and I think it is it falls a lot into like how we're perceived by society, but I don't ever remember in my own experience talking about like being a lesbian and a virgin, being gay and a virgin. Like it, it was never that it was more like, it's okay if you were to have different partners. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was even in that, 
it was never about purity. And I don't think there was that, like, that's just not a conversation that we had. Definitely not in my household where we're talking about like purity. It was more, you know, it was more, it was more like protection, to be honest with you, you know, unwanted pregnancies, unwanted STDs. um, And then more of like um, a valuing of self. Mm-hmm. more like value yourself enough to know that not everybody gotta be all in your tea like oh it was and 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 I must say in in our in my household it was to both uh my brother and my sister like mm-hmm. that conversation was clear it was not like well oh because he's a boy nah my parents were not about that life at all mm-hmm. so we I saw that very clear so I understood that it was definitely never about purity. But what about you? Did what was what was your V card like? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so uh, you know, my, so my mom spoke to me about sex, you know, from a very early age. You know, I guess the the biology sex ed part of it. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of, I, I was taught, you know, wait until you're married. I, yeah. I don't think that had anything to do with purity per se. Like I never got like, right. oh, sex is bad. Or if, if right. you have sex, you're bad. I think from my mom, it was more of a wanting to protect me. Like I think often parents or mothers of people of color, young black girls, young Latin, Latina girls, you know, we they see how sex is used to exploit yeah and how sex can be a weapon of oppression and they just want so badly to protect us yeah. from that in any way like yep. up, it wasn't just oh you should wait until you're married to have mm-hmm. sex it was like oh no you can't wear no tight pants because i don't want no oh, yeah. looking at you right. like you know i i don't i, I want to protect you on every level from right. yeah. any type of sexual exploitation yeah. so i don't think it was so much oh pure unpure it was like protection um and so i was taught and i, I like you know i was down with the whole thing like i don't know why i was really just down i was like uh-huh. oh I'm gonna wait until I'm married yeah. my husband until I was about like <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I started getting them changes <laughs> yep as soon as them hormones kicked in right. um god I hope he's not listening but my uh my first partner I'm pretty sure I was the aggressor the pressurer <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah yeah here making moves <laughs> right. and so uh oh that's to say like Virginity was a thing. Like, I think, you know, I, I knew I I wasn't about to kind of just go wild and have sex with every person that came my way. Right. And so I think virginity was something that I held on to as an idea to say, I am this, which means right. I am not doing that. And so gotcha. I think my idea about virginity back then is way different than my idea. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of the talk around virginity centers around the idea of like, physical penetration right oh speaking of (laughs) (laughs) yeah she was mad hype (laughs) y'all I was because I have a quick question right so we we, we, this whole like physical penetration thing right so growing up you know you have friends some are virgins some are not whatever um I had a friend who was a quote-unquote virgin in her Vagina, maybe. <laughs> oh, snap. It was inappropriate. I couldn't think of a better way to say that. But not, oh, her, not, not anywhere else that Ooh. could potentially be penetrated. Ooh. 
And so my question is, what you, what do you think about that? Like those the 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 everything but club when it comes to virginity. <laughs> and that's just as fake as the virginity comes. <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm like, I think that says a lot, right? That says a lot about how we twist to what counts as virginity, what right. doesn't count. You know what I mean? I still think it counts, though. So tell your friends, you know, virgin. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, you, you're right. You know I, think, yeah. I think even the question is just telling of how fake this whole idea of virginity is. Exactly. Right? How much we could bend it and twist it, you know? Whatever we wow. want it to be at the time, exactly. whatever it takes to get that status. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so, you know, like, um, but like if, if we scratch the surface, right? Like the the talk about virginity is more than the physical penetration, right? It's it's also about this idea that sex and sexual pleasure somehow contaminates the person. It's like dirty. Mm. Right, right. It, you're right. It, it highlights that, like, you know, this made-up idea about a woman that if her sexuality is not, like, placed under lock and key, that right. she'll ultimately be seen as a hoe, I guess, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Right. Like, you know, like a, a a woman of low value, you know, like if, if her sexuality is not controlled by someone else, preferably a man who is in her charge, she will be seen as a woman of low value. But we want to ask of low value to whom? Right. You know, every person is of great value to God. Right. That's a non debatable on this show. Right. But there are so many other aspects to the whole virginity debate that are deeply rooted in religious, theological, and spiritual ideas, right? So let's begin the God talk part of this whole thing. At least let's give some honorable mention to the Virgin Mary, right? Probably like the world's most famous virgin, quote unquote. So most of you probably have heard a little bit of the story, but here's a refresher. In the story of Jesus' birth, the whole thing supposedly starts on a miraculous note because of the fact that Mary, who was supposed to be a virgin when she married Joseph, somehow ends up pregnant. Spoiler alert, with the Son of God. So Mary, mother of Jesus, is often our religious and cultural go-to image for the perfectly pure woman. But we want to know, would all that change for us if we found out that she wasn't actually a virgin the way we understand it today? So here's a little history on the word virgin, (laughs) right? So the whole thing can get really long and complicated and it could get real theological, like in the academic sense. But um, in the Guardian column, Face to Faith with Isa Vermes, um, Basically, Giza wrote it in the most straightforward way when they said the most interesting potential virgin birth, though, comes from Matthew's explanation in Matthew 1, 22 to 23. There, the text says that the virgin birth of Jesus took place to fulfill the prophecy that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall name him Emmanuel. Matthew is paraphrasing Isaiah seven fourteen. Basically, when Matthew was paraphrasing Isaiah 7.14, Matthew was actually reading from the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, right? So the Hebrew, which is used to describe the woman in Isaiah 7.14, is Alma, A-L, 
M-A-H. And that's a word that means young woman in Hebrew, right? But when it was translated into the Greek, for some reason, the translators took the Hebrew word Alma and made it equal to the Greek word Parthenos, P-A-R-T-H-E-N-O-S, which means virgin. Like in a sexual way. Right. So it's like Alma, young woman versus Parthenos, which means like actual penetrated, like you have not been penetrated virgin. Exactly. And young woman, as in, I also believe, like not married. Oh. Right. Because it, right. And so when it all comes together in like the English translation, everyone is like making it sound like young woman and unmarried young woman and unmarried, unpenetrated young woman are all the same exact thing. Exactly. And they're not exactly the same. Right. So a mistranslation there has led us to where we are today. (laughs) But all that is to say, dang, in a world where even the Virgin Mary isn't even necessarily a virgin, it truly makes us wonder, what is the point of all this virginity and purity talk? Exactly. So fact. So Many of our beliefs about purity as a virtue, they're actually very rooted in the Old Testament biblical laws found in the book of Leviticus. So it's basically like a code of laws that the Israelites adopted um, about cleanliness and uncleanliness. But this was only to separate them from the other people that were living in the land. So like these laws reference like all types of food and social norms to kind of set them apart. It was meant for like, a particular people in a particular time in a particular culture. So when we try to apply all of that today, it's very irrelevant and old. <laughs> irrelevant <laughs> and old. Some some of it, a lot right, of it. Yeah, a lot, yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, this conversation has been rich. And as we wrap up, um, I think that we can see how much of the talk around virginity comes from wanting to direct women and women's bodies towards a particular outcome. In some ways, it can be benign or even come from a potentially quote unquote loving place of wanting to protect, you know, not wanting the woman in your life to have social exclusion, negative labeling, unwanted pregnancies, all these things. Great. In other ways, it can be incredibly harmful in that you are looking to control and oppress, you know, what a woman's sexuality is or is not. But here at Real Talk on God Talk, we offer that when old ways of thinking hurt more than they help, it might just be time to let them go. Regardless of what our parents taught us about sexuality, it's up to us what our morals and our values are going forward. When modeling our sexuality or talking about it with young people, let's consider alternative theological lenses. How about we try sexuality not as a measure of purity, but rather as an expression of our own sanctity and holiness. As we honor our own holiness and connection to divinity, let's make our sexy time and the way that we talk about it with young people an extension of that. Meaning, let's explore sexuality and its sanctity in a light that nurtures connection, health, mutuality, reciprocity, and just trusting that out of all of that, women and all parties to sex will be honored. To keep the conversation going, tell us what you think by following us on Instagram or Twitter at Real Talk on God Talk. 
Hey, beautiful people. Today is Tuesday, November 12th, and you're listening to Keeping Time with Yaya. Major holiday on the horizon, November 20th. My birthday, of course. Woo-woo. <laughs> Woo-woo. <laughs> this is my chance to show some love to all my mysterious, sensual, deep, and devoted Scorpios out there. Now it's time for the moon reading. There's a full moon tonight, November 12th, the second to last of the year. Approach the time between this full moon and November 26th, new moon, with even more intense gratitude than usual. Be grateful for all things, the pleasant surprises and the inconveniences. Start now sowing the seeds for your blossoming in 2020. Thank you, Yaya. I was making sure we were doing right around here. <laughs> yeah, girl, you know, I had a little moment just for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for you. <laughs> um, and finally, as we approach um, the season of Christmas, the Real Talk on God Talk uh, podcast wants to connect our community uh, with small ways that we can do some good this, during this time of year. And we think we found the perfect way. So since April 2014, as many of you know, residents of Flint, Michigan, a city that is almost 57% Black and poor, have been drinking and bathing in water that contains enough lead to meet the Environmental Protection Agency's definition of toxic waste. Yo, this is not right. And while there are many political actions that we can take to help combat the effects of environmental racism, we think giving water addresses the most immediate need. It's been about five years since the country learned of the Flint water crisis, and a lot of outrage has really died down. But people are still living without access to safe, clean water. Because of this, Real Talk on God Talk wants to do our part, particularly during the holiday season. We're pledging to raise 500 gallons of water for Flint. Hashtag 500 for Flint. Sites in the city with water machines allow people to refill reusable five-gallon water jugs as a way to access clean water. Each five-gallon jug of water costs about $14. So in order to send 500 gallons, the Real Talk on God Talk community will have to raise $1,400. We're a growing podcast with a small but mighty community of listeners. We know y'all care and we know we can do it. Let's make it happen. Hashtag 500 for Flint. Yep. And so remember to donate. We will have a GoFundMe link on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can access all of that through all of our social media. It is up right now. So go on there, donate, and then do us a favor. Spread the word. Share it with your family, your friends, your network, and have them donate as well. Let's make sure we hit our goal of 500 for Flint. And make sure y'all follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook um, to stay up to date with our campaign for 500 for Flint. Show us love on our pages. Uh, let us know what y'all think about the Real Talk question of the week. Why are we so pressed about purity? Let us know your thoughts. Join the conversation. And we will catch y'all on the next one. Peace. Bye, y'all. I don't believe in God. I know God. I love me some Jesus. Too much. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's on the next episode. It's the moon reading. I rock with you, Yaya. It's all love.
They better listen to this advice. We good. You crazy, girl. This is what this show is about, all right? We With keep the it real. real and real talk. The God in God talk. And that's right.